Well, good morning and God bless you, beloved. We welcome you to worship with the Old First Presbyterian Church. And we are located at 820 Broad Street in historic downtown Newark, New Jersey, where we are transforming lives through the gospel of our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ. I am the Reverend Dr. Betty J. Tom, and I am the pastor and servant leader of this great congregation. And as always, we are so delighted that you continue to join us for virtual worship as you come with the congregation of Old First Presbyterian Church as we come together to worship our, <clears throat> excuse me, our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ. Amen. Well, beloved, today is the second Sunday in the season of Lent, and we are on this 40-day journey. We have began this journey since Ash Wednesday this journey of walking and traveling with Jesus Christ to Calvary. These 40 days are times of reflection, repentance, soul searching, and coming closer to God as we think about the celebration of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ on Resurrection Sunday. So we welcome you to journey with Old First Presbyterian Church in these days of Lent. And as always, again, during the month of February, we celebrate Black History Month. And we have had uh, every Sunday in the month of February a Did You Know video. Our young people have come to us with facts about famous and not so famous African Americans. We also have a Did You Know video here for you today. So stay tuned for this important fact in our Black History celebration. The Reverend Dr. Leslie Clinging Smith will be with us today. She is our guest preacher as we celebrate this pulpit swap in the month of uh, February for our Black History celebration. The Reverend Leslie Clingingsworth is the pastor of the St. Matthew Presbyterian Church located in Silver Springs, Maryland. Reverend Leslie holds a Master of Divinity degree from Duke University and a doctor of ministry from Columbia Theological Seminary. She is an active member of the Interfaith and Ecumenical Ministries of the Montgomery County in Maryland. She is especially interested in how people of all faiths can work together for reconciliation for humankind. Leslie is married to the Reverend Edward Taylor, a retired Presbyterian pastor. They are the parents of two teenage sons, Samuel and Greer. In addition to pastoring, Reverend Leslie and parenting, Reverend Leslie enjoys interests that include hiking and baking. She also loves uh, most types of music and is a very amateur French horn player. Those are her words, not mine. In spite of these difficult times that we have endured recently, Reverend Leslie says that she remains hopeful and thankful. Old First Church and our virtual community, we hope that you and know that you will welcome the Reverend Leslie Clinging Smith as our guest speaker and guest preacher today. And immediately after morning worship, we will all be in coffee hour at 1230 
with the Reverend Leslie Clinging Smith and members of the St. Matthew Presbyterian Church. We will come together in coffee hour to share and to just uh, develop new friendships and just talk about the sermon or whatever is on your mind. Let's come together in coffee hour after worship today to fellowship with the St. Matthew Presbyterian Church. Amen? Amen. Well, God bless you today, beloved. As you can see, the candles are lit, symbolizing Jesus Christ's work in the world and his presence with us today. Jesus said, let your light so shine that people will see your good works and give glory to God. Amen. We want to say thank you and welcome Mr. Kevin Harris, our music director here at Old First Presbyterian Church. Good morning, Kevin, and God bless you as you opened us up this morning with that prelude that says to our community, it's time to worship with the Old First Presbyterian Church. So everybody say hello to Kevin. God bless you, Kevin, and thank you again this morning. Well, beloved, let's take this time now and call our service to worship by reading our psalm for today. Our psalm can be found in Psalm 107, verses 1 and 2, and verse 8. Our call to worship, Psalm 107, verses 1 and 2, and verse 8. Get your devices, open your Bibles, and let us now read together our call to worship. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good for his mercy endureth forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom he hath redeemed from the hand of the enemy. All oh, that humankind would praise the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. Amen, amen. God bless you, our call to worship. Now, beloved, let us pray together. Let us pray. Gracious and eternal God, in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ, we come to you this morning with joy and great expectation. We come to you to gather together again the body of Christ, believers and friends and supporters and seekers from all over the place. We thank you, Lord, for this virtual community. We thank you for this opportunity to pray, to sing, to read your scriptures, to hear the gospel of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We thank you for the ministry of the Reverend Dr. Leslie Clinging Smith. And Lord, we just thank you for the Holy Spirit that will walk with us through this service, that will gladden our hearts and lift up our heads as we come to worship you today. This is our prayer in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, we pray. We say amen and amen. Amen and amen. God bless you. Well, as is our practice, beloved, we want to take a moment to pass the peace with each other, pass the peace with Old First Church, pass the peace with St. Matthew, pass the peace with all of you out there in our virtual community. We use these words, the peace of Christ be with you, and your response is, and also with you. God bless you. God's peace be with you today. God bless you, beloved, for passing the peace with me today. We want to welcome back Mrs. Mary L. Johnson, Mr. Andrew Darling, our praise and worship leaders here at Old First Presbyterian Church. They're going to come with you with songs of praise and worship and anthems and spirituals. They're going to gladden your heart, get you ready for the preaching of the gospel of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We welcome Mary L. and Andrew Darling. We also want to welcome our young person today who is going to be giving you the did you know facts about a famous African-American or not so famous African-American. I don't want to give it away, but stay tuned for did you know. And Mrs. Cassandra Harris, she'll be coming to you today to read our text today with power and with passion. Don't you love to hear Cassandra read? I know I do. God bless you. The Reverend Dr. Leslie Clinging Smith's Scriptures today can be found in Jeremiah chapter 8, verses 18 through 22, and Colossians chapter 3, verses 12 through 17. Her sermon title today is Lament to Hope. It's up to you. 
Amen. God bless you. And so let's welcome the ministry of Marielle, Andrew, Did You Know, and Mrs. Cassandra Harris. Amen. God bless you. Hello, my name is Kanayo Duru, and I'm a member of St. Matthew Presbyterian Church in Silver Spring, Maryland. Today, I will be sharing some facts about an extremely inspiring black figure, Ruby Bridges. Did you know that Ruby Bridges was the first African-American child to desegregate the all-white William Franz Elementary School in Louisiana? Just walking into class every day among angry and violent mobs must have required such incredible bravery. Did you know that Ruby Bridges was one of only six black children in New Orleans to pass the racially biased entrance exam to William France Elementary? The test was specifically designed to keep black students out, and yet Bridges was able to overcome that obstacle. Did you know that Ruby Bridges currently is chair of the Ruby Bridges Foundation, which she formed in 1999 to promote the values of tolerance, respect, and appreciation of all differences? She travels to schools alongside her former elementary school teacher, Miss Henry, to talk about her story and the many opportunities there are to fight racism. Happy Sunday morning.
here comes from Jeremiah 8, verses 18 to 22, and Colossians 3, verses 12 to 17. You who are my comforter in sorrow, my heart is faint within me. Listen to the cry of my people from a land far away. Is the Lord not in Zion? Is her king no longer there? Why have they aroused my anger with their images, with their worthless foreign idols? The harvest is past, the summer has ended, and we are not saved. Since my people are crushed, I am crushed. I mourn and horror grips me. Is there no balm in Gilead? Is there no physician there? Why then is there no healing for the womb of my people? Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body, you were called to peace and be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with wisdom through psalms and hymns and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. God's word for God's people.
joy will be my strength. Your joy will be my song. I'll I feel it. I feel it breaking. You are working all things for my good. When I cannot see it, God, I still believe. to me this morning. 
I know how much she loves you all, so her faith in me means a lot. Again, I am honored to be here. I thank you, and I thank your pastor. I asked for the passage from Jeremiah to be read this morning because it expresses the heartbreak that so many of us feel when racial inequity and bias in our society lead to devastating consequences. Every time I hear of a black person being killed by law enforcement officers for walking down the street or sitting in their living room or driving a car or playing in a park, I think of the words of the prophet, my joy is gone, grief is upon me, my heart is sick. The prophet Jeremiah mourned for his people. His words are a lament for people's suffering, suffering that is the result of the cruelty of others and does not have to happen. Like Jeremiah, we weep together at every unnecessary death in the black community. Not only people slain at the hands of police, but people who die because their medical symptoms are not taken seriously by physicians, or the disproportionate number of black Americans who have been hit by COVID-19, or the toll that the ongoing, exhausting stress of systemic racism takes on the bodies of black Americans, showing up at higher rates of high blood pressure, heart disease, and diabetes. Whenever I hear these painful truths, Jeremiah's words ring in my ears. The harvest is past, the summer is ended, and we are not saved. I mourn, and dismay has taken hold of me. Who among us has not felt that type of despair at some time or another? It is not possible to live in this world with its harsh realities and not lament. We lament for what we could we lament what is and we weep for what we could be if only we fallen human beings could get our act together. But that's not the end of the story. As followers of Christ, we are a people of hope. We know that Jesus' redemptive work in the world is still going on. We do not believe God is finished with us. Furthermore, God won't be finished with us until we have become the people we were created to be. And at the same time, <clears throat> God did not create a bunch of robots. We have power, we have agency, and we have to use it. Our ultimate hope is found in the saving love of Christ. <clears throat> but as far as changing the lamentable circumstances in which we live, that's up to us. We have to move together toward a vision of transformation and reconciliation. We have to consciously decide that we are going to live together differently. We have to put our words into action. We have to envision a different way of being in the world and then make it the reality in which we dwell. God will be with us. God will show us the way. <clears throat> but God is not a puppet master or a babysitter. Moving from lament to hope is up to us. <clears throat> the words that the Apostle Paul wrote to the Colossians feel like a good starting point for that journey from lament to hope. Paul wrote, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, clothe yourselves with compassion kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Paul goes on to call the Colossian church to forgiveness and above all, to love. Those aren't just words. Even all those years ago, 
Paul knew the human tendency toward division, how we instinctively separate into groups of people who look like us and think like, like us and believe as we do. And that is to our detriment. Life is richer and sweeter when we are exposed to all kinds of people and when we recognize that we all share in common the image of God in which we are created. Paul consistently points us away from the artificial divisions that human beings have constructed and God leads us to the unity found in Christ. Once we live into our identity as sisters and brothers in Christ, we can overcome all of the human barriers that separate us. I absolutely believe that relationships between people, people between groups across every line that we could ever think of or draw, relationship across those lines is key. We're going to make mistakes. People will get their feelings hurt, but we have to talk with each other. We must ask questions and seek to understand each other and speak truth in love. I want to be clear that I don't see Paul calling us to any kind of false harmony where differences are just papered over and we pretend everything is fine. Nor would Jeremiah. Just a few verses before where the scripture started this morning from Jeremiah, the prophet warned against false prophets who denied that problems exist. They have treated the wound of my people carelessly, says Jeremiah, crying peace, peace, when there is no peace. Rather than a false and harmful peace where we would rather tolerate what is intolerable than dare to rock the boat, both Jeremiah and Paul want us to commit to being in relationship, having the hard conversations, sticking together so that we can develop a new way of relating to each other as human beings and being the people of God. It's that kind of commitment needed from all of us if we are to create a new story. I thought it might help <clears throat> put meat on the bones of these ideas if I share with you just a little bit about the evolution I've witnessed in my own congregation. St. Matthew Presbyterian Church is a much younger congregation than Old First Church. We were chartered in 1961 and celebrated our 10th anniversary not quite 10 years ago. We are fortunate enough to be a racially diverse congregation composed of African Americans, recent African immigrants, Caribbeans, Caucasians, Chinese, and a few Hispanics. It's a wonderful mix of God's children. I'm grateful every day to be a part of them. As I'm sure you can imagine, such a mix of races and cultures and experiences is not without its challenges. But every time I walk into our sanctuary, or lately, every time I log into Zoom on Sunday mornings, I am overwhelmed with gratitude. Each one of those diverse faces represents a story, a history, experiences that only they have had. It is such a privilege to walk alongside of them and to have even a small part in shaping them into a community that knows how to love God, neighbor, and each other. St. Matthew is far from a perfect church, and I am even farther from being a perfect pastor. But hope, it's not about perfection. It's about progress. I don't share my observations of St. Matthew as a blueprint for how every congregation should do things. These are just examples of how genuine relationship transforms hearts and minds. When people commit to living in relationship, loving each other with all of our quirks and flaws, 
we can take the time to know one another at a deeper level. Eventually, we start to talk together about the things that make us who we are, our wounds, our fears, our delights, our pain, our joy. That takes time. It occurred to me that the way St. Matthew's celebrations of Black History Month have evolved in recent years is kind of a case study, both in deepening relationships and in moving from lament to hope. During my years as the pastor at St. Matthew, nearly 19 of them, I've learned a lot about African American history, and not just from my personal reading and studying. It's easy to think that Black History Month is only about the tragic history of slavery and segregation. Those parts of the story are important, and we white people have to reckon with that stain on our past and the ways that unconscious and unacknowledged racism still shape who we are and how we treat each other. That's a long process and one that I hope predominantly white churches take seriously. We must face up to the horrors of our past and of our troubled present. Black History Month is one such opportunity to do so, but it shouldn't be the only one that we take. We have to be in conversation about these things regularly. I pledge to you, my new friends from Old First Church, to do my best to keep these conversations going in the St. Matthew congregation. But I want to lift up a member of my congregation who taught me a number of years ago that Black History Month is not only about the tragedies. It's also about the stars of the black community, the luminaries in science, medicine, sports, law, politics, the church, music, literature, every aspect of American life. All of us, regardless of our color, have benefited from the contributions of black Americans. We white people should never think that Black History Month is something that doesn't have anything to do with us. Black people have shaped the world we live in. So we all have much to learn during February. The gentleman in my congregation who over the course of many years has transformed the way I think about Black History Month is Robert War. He goes by Bob and for years Bob has made a bulletin board in our narthex each year for Black History Month on which he includes photos and profiles of famous and lesser known African Americans who have made incredible contributions to our life and our culture. Paul Lawrence Dunbar, Thurgood Marshall, Katherine Johnson, Henrietta Lacks. That's just a few examples of the faces and stories <clears throat> that have been on the Black History Month bulletin board in recent years. A few years ago, our session decided we wanted to expand our celebration of Black History Month and use it as an opportunity to hear from our own members about their experiences as Black Americans. We held a Black History Month luncheon at which we recognized and honored St. Matthew's members of African-American heritage. They were gracious enough to share their stories with us, their upbringing, their careers, their families, the ways they experience racism and bias, and how they have handled it and overcome it. <clears throat> Among the speakers that day were a school principal, an educator, a nurse, an accountant, an engineer, an Air Force colonel, a college professor, and two politicians. We learned a lot that day. I remember thinking as I sat and listened that we as a congregation had reached a new milestone. Most of us in the room that day had known each other for years. We had shared the highs and lows of our lives, prayed for each other regularly. And yet, we had not spoken out loud, publicly, about these 
issues in our society that are so hard for us to talk about. In our fellowship hall that day, I sensed an opening, a softening, a tentative willingness to discuss these painful truths. I don't want to make it sound like there was animosity before. Far from it. We genuinely like and care for one another. But I don't think that St. Matthew is unique in that we hesitate to discuss the realities of racial injustice and how that affects all of us. Why? It's painful. White people are afraid of saying the wrong thing. And we also take it too dang personally when one of our black sisters or brothers shares something awful that has happened to them. But that day at our Black History Month luncheon, I felt some of that hesitation begin to dissipate. It felt like a small but important step in the journey from lament to hope. Since that first Black History Month luncheon, we've held several more. We have welcomed guest speakers who have shared with us their work in the civil rights movement and their present day efforts toward racial justice and reconciliation. The conversations and the sharing of personal experiences have gotten more candid. Awareness of each other's backstories has made us gentler and at the same time more truthful with each other. There's been a palpable increase, not only in concern about racial equity and social justice, but in determination to find our place in doing something about it. So just one more example before I close. Our congregation was heartbroken by the death of George Floyd last May. We realized all over again that what happened to George Floyd could easily happen to one of the people in our congregation, especially some of our young men. The civil unrest that began with George Floyd's killing and continued through the summer of 2020 made an impact on all of us. And we began several new endeavors in the area of racial justice in response to that unrest. And one of those was our youth initiative on social justice and police reform. From September 2020 through January 2021, just a few weeks ago, St. Matthew Youth met weekly online to learn about issues of racism in policing and what they can do to advocate for change. They heard guest speakers share their perspectives. They read articles. They explored the issues from the perspective of our faith, and they discussed them in depth, not always agreeing on the best potential solutions. Toward the end of the process, they broke into subcommittees, collaborative advocacy, written advocacy, and artistic advocacy. Last Sunday, as part of St. Matthew's celebration of Black History Month, the youth reported on their work for our entire congregation. If you are interested, you can watch the recording of that service on St. Matthew's website. Also on our website, you can find the written statements that the youth composed about their concerns and their hopes for the future. Maybe we can talk more about that at coffee hour later today. What I'll say now is that our young people made us very proud. Their understanding of the issues, their commitment to working for change, and their determination to work in the present to change the future were inspiring to all of us. The events of today are tomorrow's history. My prayer is that at future Black History Month celebrations, our grandchildren and great-grandchildren are hearing stories about how all people Black, white, all colors came together at this difficult time to work together for healing, reconciliation, and justice. There are plenty of reasons to lament, and we do have to acknowledge the pain of the past and the present. But when we roll up our sleeves and pursue common goals together, 
There is every reason to be hopeful. Lament to hope. It's up to us. May God show us the way. Thanks be to God. Amen. I invite you now to join with me in our unison affirmation of faith, the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord. He was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Now I charge each of us to go forth in hope, trusting that God can indeed transform our laments into hope and into permanent, lasting transformation. And I promise that the grace, mercy, and peace of God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit is with each of us this day and in all the days to come. Thanks be to God. Amen.